Welcome to Dig Deep, the mining podcast. In this podcast, we go deep into mining news, hot topics, and live interviews with mining professionals and leading figures in the mining industry. Introducing your host, Rob Tyson, founder and director of Mining International and Mining International Executive, a leading global mining recruitment and headhunting agency. Hi, mining community. Welcome back to another episode of the Dig Deep, the mining podcast. And today's guest is Nick Bridgen, who's the chief executive at Ferro Alloy Resources, who are developing a giant vanadium deposit in southern Kazakhstan. Um, Nick is a chartered accountant by background. Um, he also studied a degree in um, uh, statistics and physics and psychology. Um, and his career has been in executive management within the resources industry for, for quite a long time. So um, he's well versed in developing um, ferro alloy resources to its full potential. So that's enough of me. And that's welcome, Nick, to the podcast. How are you doing, Nick? Fine. Hi, Rob. Great. Thanks. Thanks a lot for um, taking the time to be uh, on the podcast. Um, as we always start these podcasts, wonder if you can give the audience a um, background about yourself, about your career, um, how you got into the mining industry, so our audience is sort of familiar with your with your background. Uh, yes, well, I, uh, you said some of it. Um, I, um, I I'm a chartered accountant. I I, I, I was with the Pete Marwick Mitchell, which is the, the first part of uh, KPMG in London. Um, I left immediately on qualifying and joined the mining industry, uh, Rio Tinto, and I spent 14 happy years there. Um, thoroughly enjoyed it, but um, I, I really moved on. I, I suppose because of an, an accident of my schooling, I managed to pick up Russian O-level and uh, in the sixth form. I just did one year of it, but, but anyone who spoke any Russian back in the early 90s was, um, was, was unusual. So... Um, I found myself um, with a mining company that had a big project in Kazakhstan. I, I spent four years there. Uh, I was finance director and um, learned a lot about the country, uh, met a lot of people and decided it would be easy to set up my own business there. Easy, in inverted commas, because it didn't turn out so easy. It never does. But uh, that started my own business career. Uh, that was in 98. Um, and um, this company, uh, Ferrola Resources, I joined it nominally in um, 2001, um, but uh, we really got going in 2006 when, when my main partner, Andrei Kuznetsov, and I uh, bought out all the other people involved in it and decided to, to do the development properly. Um, that's, that's, that's really what brought us up to date. I've been CEO since 2006 and um and and it's really an exceptional project that we'll come to in a minute yeah certainly um so i just wanted to give us an overview of the company and obviously the a little bit of the history um and an overview of the the assets um both the current operations um and the vanadium deposit that um, you're developing well the first thing to say is the deposit is everything in our company the existing operation is is a, 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 a tail wagging the dog at the moment in that, um, that we're in business for the big project. 95% of our projected net present value is in the big project and the 
existing operation is only a small part of it, but it's a very important stepping stone. Uh, what we did was we built a pilot plant, developed the pilot plant, and, and it was quite a large-scale pilot plant. This was to test the process on the big project. Um, and we sized it to, to be able to keep it going and wash its face because what we, what we wanted to do was keep all the people. Once we developed all the expertise in processing vanadium, it's not an easy um, metal to deal with. We didn't want to let all that expertise go and then several years later, once we build the plant, try and rebuild the team again. So the original objective was just to sort of wash, out, wash its face profits-wise. But then we found that, that it was, it, it, the vanadium price fell at that time and it wasn't really washing its face. So we adapted it to treat concentrates and found that was a really good business. So we've been developing this plant since and it's, it's become uh, a very significant operation sort of uh, all by the fact that the project is still vastly bigger. Um, uh, it's a good stepping stone. We've got now got a full team of people, all the experts that we need, all the managers, engineers, scientists, laboratories, uh, ready to, to start running with the big project. And I, I think we can make crank this little plant up to, to make $10 million a year sort of profits, which is very useful. It means that we're not a a typical junior mining company with a black hole shoveling money into it. We, we are um, an operation and, um, uh, and, and that, that money will help give us credibility, help finance the big project, and very importantly, let us uh, hit the ground running without having to create a team of experts. Yeah. Um, so that's the, the, the little operation. We, treat, we buy in um, materials, secondary materials that, that contain vanadium, and um, and extract the vanadium out of it. It's a very similar process to what we'll be doing on the big plant, but not exactly the same. Um, it was an adaptation of the plant. The, 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 the big project is the, the exciting bit. Uh, first of all, it's big. Uh, I mean, that helps. Size always matters in the, in the mining industry. Uh, we have about five ore bodies that we know about. Um, a couple more that, that we don't know much about, but anyway, five that we, we, we have good information on. And each one of them is bigger than many other vanadium projects. So it is a very large deposit. But that's not really what's interesting because vanadium is very common in the Earth's crust. Um, what's interesting about it is the, is the potential cost of extracting the vanadium. Because most of the world's vanadium comes in a material called magnetite, a type of iron ore. And... Uh, and the vanadium, to, to extract the vanadium, you can't do what, what everyone in the mining industry normally does, just, just dissolve the metals in acid because of, the, because of all the iron ore, which grabs all the acid, and you end up with huge acid consumption and, um, and lots of waste products. So they have to go through a very complicated process of making a uh, concentrate, then roasting at quite high temperature, uh, about 1,100 degrees typically, to extract the vanadium. That's very expensive in capital and operating. Capital because of building a roaster, building a concentrator, um, and operating because of the power involved, obviously. They also get a fairly low recovery because they're double processing. They get a, a recovery into concentrate and then a recovery into final product. So they're only getting 75 80% recovery. Now, I told you all about that because that's what the opposition does. But ours is a, a completely different type of deposit. No iron in ours. Um, and uh, we can do the, the simple process everyone would have first thought of, 
which is dissolve the, the metals in acid and recover them from the acid solutions. So we don't have to have a concentrator. We don't have to have a roaster, uh, much less operating costs, much less capital cost. Um, and we estimate that, that our costs, at both capital and operating, are only about 40% of an equivalent operation based on magnetite. So a huge cost advantage, very large project. And, and our good fortune didn't really end there in that although we're in a, in a rather isolated place, we've got no, uh, no habitation near us, no, no competing use of land or anything like that. Um, but just by an accident of good fortune, we've got all the big ticket infrastructure on hand. We've got a, a high voltage power line crossing the corner of our site and uh, we've got a good metal road to the nearest town, 70 kilometers away, already built by other people for other purposes. And uh, 70 kilometers away, we've got a town which is on the main railway and twin motorway, which connects Western Europe to East Coast China, going through the length of Kazakhstan. So really, it's a dream of a project. It's got scale. It's got the lowest cost of anyone we know. And it's got all the, you know, those big infrastructure items, which typically in a mining project can account for half or three quarters of the, of the capital costs already provided. So um, what that boils down to is we, we've identified a, a phase one and a phase two. And um, the combined net present value of the two is, is around $2 billion. Um, and, and the capital cost is very small for the reasons I've given. Um, a few years back, we estimated them at a, at, for phase one at a hundred million dollars. I expect it's gone up a little bit now. We're, we're we're repeating some of the feasibility study to bring it up to Western Western bankable standards, but it's it'll be of that order of magnitude. So very low capex and huge value, eighty percent operating margin. Um, really, a, 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 an exceptional project. Yeah, uh, thank you for giving us an overview. It does sound uh, very exciting and a lot of potential. Um, what is vanadium used for? Obviously, some of the main uses, but what other uses? What other um, uses are van is vanadium used for that uh, I suppose some of our audience may not may not be aware that's, of? That's relatively simple. Uh, although about ten percent goes into sort of other specialised uses. 90% uh, goes into steel making. Um, if you add a, a kilogram or two of vanadium per tonne of steel, uh, you can greatly increase the strength. The different types of steel have different recipes of alloying materials, but vanadium is a very common one in construction steel, uh, roughly doubling the strength, so halving the amount of steel that you need uh, in buildings. And, and moreover, that strength that, it, that the vanadium adds to it is not sensitive to heat. And therefore, if you have a fire or something, if you're using a type of steel that doesn't include vanadium uh, or that relies on tempering for the strength of the steel, in a fire, that building will fall down. But, it, but vanadium build, buildings built with vanadium or bridges or whatever, a lot more, more robust, um, corrosion resistant, as well as stronger and using less steel. So uh, very important and growing use. And that will, that will carry on growing. Um, each... Each year, um, the amount of vanadium per tonne of steel in the world tends to go up. Um, and so there's, there's a big growth factor in consumption of vanadium just in its traditional steel use. 
Um, on top of that, there's a, a very exciting development in batteries. <coughs> um, uh, and that is, vanadium comes in several different oxidation states. It's a, it's a rather unusual metal in that respect. And, uh, and that characteristic is used in, in battery energy storage. Very important for um, solar and renewable energy, you need storage. And, um, and that is the niche of this type of battery. Everyone's heard of lithium ion batteries. They go into laptops, mobiles, cars, and, uh, and all that. They're great advantages that they're lightweight. Um, but where, where lightweight isn't important, vanadium, they're called, the full name is vanadium redox flow batteries, have many advantages. Uh, apart from being heavy and taking a sort of big imprint on the ground, those are the disadvantages. But the advantage is they have a limitless life, effectively, unlike your laptop, which lasts three years, and a car battery a few years longer, but still limited and deteriorating it with every charging and discharging cycle. Uh, a vanadium flow battery can, can effectively go on forever. It has some moving parts that need replacing, membranes might need replacing, but, but essentially there's no limitation on its life, which means that on a levelized cost basis over a 20, 25 year life, which is what utilities will be looking at, it is the, the, the best solution to the renewable energy storage problem. Um, and, and that... Uh, that potential really, th there are different estimates, obviously we're in the realms of technology, there might be technology changes, but that could uh, increase the demand for vanadium by 50 or even 100% compared with today's market. So two very big growth areas. Batteries, it doesn't really matter whether they come, come right or not, so they're just at the beginning of their, 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 their sort of growth, uh, expected growth period. But from steel, we have a, a good enough market, big enough, growing enough. And, um, and with batteries as well, it's a very exciting metal to be in. Yeah, um, I, I was just going to go on to ask, so the, the demand for vanadium is going to increase with obviously what is happening over the next few decades with the green economy, etc. cetera. Um, where is vanadium predominantly found? Um, is it across the world or is, there, is it in particular pockets around the world? Like, like I said, um, the, the, this material magnetite is a very, very common material in the Earth's crust. And I think vanadium uh, comes something like 16th most common element in the Earth's crust. There is no shortage of it. It's, it's, uh, it, it's super abundant all over the world. At the moment, supply is concentrated in uh, uh, China, Russia, South Africa, Brazil, um, but but there, there are a lot of projects around the world. Australia has several, uh, all based on this magnetite material. Um, so I, I don't think that anyone needs needs worry about where it's going to come from. It, it's super abundant. What makes us special is our much much lower capital and operating costs than everyone else, as well as the size. So so for example, for vanadium flow batteries. Of course, that's a price-sensitive application. You, that industry would not survive a big increase in prices. So we are ideally suited to help the world in a way. Of course, that's not our objective. We're here to make money. But, uh, but, but our existence is very helpful to the world because it means that we can crank up the supply of vanadium uh, at costs which don't kill that industry. Um, and uh, so, um, yes, it's, it's a cost advantage, not a rarity advantage that we we have 
Yeah, I understand. Um, obviously, you mentioned you've been in Kazakhstan for a while. Um, just wondered um, if you can give us an um, overview of your experience operating in Kazakhstan. Sure. Well, I've, I've been involved in Kazakhstan since 1993. Um, I've been director of, of quite a lot of companies and CEO of several. Um, and um, I, I can say that since that time, in, in the early 90s, uh, there, I, I think the government would admit they made some mistakes in how to encourage investment from the, from the mining industry. as to be expected in a newly emerging country. Uh, but, but to the credit of, of Kazakhstan, they reformed massively quicker than all the other former Soviet states. They uh, got their own currency, re reformed the banking law, um, and, uh, and really moved to be what is now regarded by the World Bank as a middle-ranking economy, uh, upper middle, I think they describe it as, in a very short space of time. Uh, so it's a well-run company, uh, sorry, well-run country. And um, the, the, I, I suppose looking at the history of, of all those years, by the way, I've lived full-time in Kazakhstan since 2000, uh, barring a bit of COVID traveling in the, in the last year. Um, uh, I, I found that um, initially perhaps mining was second fiddle to oil. Um, oil was a great development game in Kazakhstan. Uh, and um, oil really contributed much more to the budget. Um, but I, I think with the, the oil crash a few years back, the, the government realized that it was good to have a second and third string to the economy. And, and they really focused on, on making Kazakhstan an attractive jurisdiction for inwards mining investment. And there was a new subsoil law. Uh, a lot of the old problems were fixed. Uh, and um, so, so really there's been Every year things have got a little bit better and um, there are still a few grumbles around, but, um, but really, which country doesn't have grumbles? And, and certainly UK, Australia and Canada have, have, have probably more reasons to, to grumble about than Kazakhstan at the moment. It, it's, it's a good jurisdiction. Okay. Um, what are you seeing in the market uh, for the demand of Vanadium, I suppose, at the moment? Um, you say you expect, to be, uh, it, it, you expect it to be strong, but can you talk um, to our listeners through the reasons for this and how far it is in prime position to benefit from the demand? Yes, that, that's a good question. The, as I, I think I've already explained why demand is growing because of this the the efficiencies of alloying steel, which are which lead leading just for purely economic reasons to inexorable growth in demand for for vanadium in steel, and then the vanadium flow batteries uh, story as well. So, I think from a demand point of view, uh, there is a, a consensus that demand is going up either very quickly or inexorably slowly, but one way or another, physical demand is going up. Um, so the history of the vanadium industry is that, that previously most of the vanadium used to come as a byproduct of making steel because, of, because magnetite is a form of iron ore. Uh, certain, it, certain companies around the world, principally in China and Russia, uh, used to make steel from magnetite and they would produce byproduct vanadium. That was very important to the industry. But as the industry grows, uh, and, and the world has moved on to hematite as a, a much more efficient way of making steel. Uh, there are no 
no or very little increase in growth from byproduct vanadium, it means that the, all the growth is going to come from primary producers. And this is where that story I told you at great lengths about uh, uh, how to get vanadium from magnetite is relevant. It means that if you think of the, the, the price of vanadium that will incentivize a new vanadium project to be built, in other words, that makes it economic, that means the bankers are happy with the finances and will advance the money uh, and, and make a return, a decent return on capital. And then you look back at the capital costs of, like I said, the um, concentrator phase, the roasting phase and all that. You can back calculate. And there's quite good public information about other companies like Largo that fairly recently put a, uh, a project like that into operation. Um, so you can back calculate what the incentive price is to, to, for, to, to let one of these many vanadium projects around the world based on magnetite be developed. And, and I think you can see from the feasibility studies that have been published uh, from of, of quite a lot of those projects that the incentive price has to be $10, $12 minimum for really good ones, but some of them much higher than that. So what that tells me is that as demand is growing, the price is going to have to be allowed to investors have got to be able to see a price of $10, $12 before they'll invest in those projects. Obviously, we, we change that mix a little bit because we can produce vanadium for not much more than $1.50 per, per pound. Uh, sorry, I'm, all these prices are per pound. It's a, an yeah. anachronism of the industry, pound of V205. Um, so... But of course, we, we, we don't aim to flood the market to seriously affect the price. So the, the, the price is really driven by the economics of these magnetite producers. And uh, that should lead to $10, $12, maybe more. Our production cost is $1.50-ish, depending on how you count it, or negative, because we've got byproducts that more than pay for all the uh, costs. Um, so we're in a good position to, to benefit from it. And moreover, byproduct uh, vanadium is, is, is not really suitable for batteries. Uh, you need, a, you need a, a relatively pure product, which has to be purified even further to make electrolyte for batteries. And we have an ideal material, starting material for doing that. We've done some work on how to make electrolyte. We, we can make it now. We're just testing the products with, with uh, at a university in Germany. Um, and so we're ideally placed to, to benefit from that industry. So, um, yes, we will be able to take advantage of the growth in demand of the world and supply it at a cost that doesn't kill that demand. And um, that's, that's our unique advantage. Yeah. Um, looking at production, um, you announced an update in March um, that showed production capacity was growing, um, but you've been hit with some uh, COVID-related restrictions, uh, resulting in being lower than um, you hoped for. Um, can you just talk us through what, um, what you expect uh, for production going forward? Yes, we, 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 have, uh, uh, we, we have been hit by COVID. More, more particularly, our suppliers have been hit by COVID. We, we've had a um, a lot of delays in, in supplies of raw materials that had been ordered, had been booked, um, contracted, but never arrived. So we have had a rather torrid time in the last uh, eight, nine months. Um, the world is getting used to this now. That, that excuse is fading. 
Um, and um, we've now got a lot of materials on site and being delivered to site, so we don't anticipate any more supply problems uh, in, the, in the foreseeable future. Obviously, it's a business that, uh, that, that is ongoing. There are reasons to think that the type of material that we buy in for this little operation uh, is going to become more abundant because um, the burning un unrefined uh, fuels is, is being prohibited. So much more of the, the world's oil for, for ships and things like that is being refined and vanadium is, is being recovered in the refining process of oil. And, and therefore, we expect uh, a good supply uh, and, and that problem to, to ease. Um, and so um, we, we're about halfway through expanding our plant. We've, we've done all of the, all the difficult work, if you like. There's, there's one more thing, piece of kit we want to put into this operation, which will roughly double the capacity. That's an electric arc furnace. Um, so our, our capacity at the moment is... It depends very much on which materials you're able to buy in. Uh, and, and if we buy in very high-grade materials, the, the cost per input unit of vanadium to buy the materials is high. So you don't necessarily make more money. Even though high-grade raw materials give you higher production, you don't necessarily make more money. So we have to juggle the profitability against the, the content um, and, and, and buy the materials that make us the most money. And, um, uh, and, and I think that our, our sort of average annualized running rate is now about 750 tons a year, and that will go up with the electric arc furnace when it comes in to about 1,500 tons a year. Um, there's a few other sort of interesting developments that we're working on. Um, we're, we're working on... Uh, Producing, we, we produce some byproduct molybdenum, molybdenum, which at the moment is uh, in the form of calcium molybdate, and we're now uh, experimenting with converting that to um, uh, ferromolybdenum, and um, uh, we should be able to produce ferrovanadium when we've got the electric arc furnace in. Um, we can also convert uh, our ammonium metavanidate into uh, vanadium pentoxide powder that sells for a premium over uh, over ordinary vanadium pentoxide. So there's quite a lot of sort of incremental things going on and the big step up when we get the electric arc furnace, which is about a six-month project. Okay. Um, you entered into a long-term strategic investment with uh, Vision Blue Resources a few weeks ago um, with Sir Mick Davis of a, a formula of obviously Extrata being the main backer amongst some other big names in the mining space. Um, can you run through what this means for Faro um, Alloy in the near term and a little on the future funding structure? Sure. What it, what it does is, is the, the, the sort of the initial investment plus the almost certain, it's actually framed as, a, as an option, but, but the intention is that they will invest and judging by the way the share price has responded, it's a virtual certainty that they will invest. Um, the initial amount is $10.1 million. Um, we've had uh, 3.1 million of that so far. It was staged for various technical reasons. Um, and 7 million they have uh, until three months, well, about two and a half months remaining um, to, uh, to, 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 to invest that money. 
Um, so altogether, they will have put in $10.1 million at this stage before the feasibility study of our big project. Now, that, that $10.1 million is designed to let us finish the expansion of the existing plant, do the feasibility study, but do the feasibility study in, in a much better way than we were planning, um, in that we will do phase one and phase two, or phase two maybe to a lesser standard than Western Bankable, but, but we will consider the project as a whole, whereas we were just going to do phase one. We can do a lot more drilling. We'll drill out all the oil bodies so that we have a, a much, we, we can prove this huge resource that uh, that we tell everyone about. Um, and, um, and so we're fully funded up to feasibility study level, which is when we will raise the money for the big project. Um, after feasibility study, there's another two and a half million dollars that will come in. Uh, it's an option again, but almost certain that, that, that uh, Vision Blue will exercise it. Um, and then there are two further options, $10 million and $20 million at higher prices to help with the construction funding. So what it does is means we're pretty much fully funded from an equity point of view. We've got all the money we need up to feasibility study and beyond. We've got uh, $32.5 million coming in post-feasibility study, um, which will almost certainly be all the equity we need to develop the project. So, so in fact, we, we don't really envisage, apart from the, the issues envisaged in this investment deal, we are now fully funded. But we not only get funding, this is more than just funding, we get uh, the benefit really of, of Sir Mick Davis's name, the credibility that brings, um, and, um, uh, and, and, and their, their sort of know-how in the industry and contacts in the industry. Uh, uh, and, and Piet uh, Nienaber is um, joining our board. He has immense experience in the vanadium industry in South Africa. So we, we've really beef, beefed up our board. We're now worldwide credible. Obviously, Vision Blue did, did their due diligence on us and, and their, their focus is on battery metals. And they judged us to be one of the, the prime uh, battery metals companies to invest in. Um, so really, it's it, it has completely put us on the map and, and solved our funding problems. We can now focus on doing the job rather than worrying about funding. Yes, certainly. Um, what do you think attracted Sir Mick to, to the company? Um, and also you mentioned um, Pierre Number now then Amber, I hope I pronounced that correctly, um, who you said has vast experience in the industry. What would you what would you say um, they could bring to the company? Um, and obviously um, Mick, what did, what do you think um, attracted him to to um, Farrell? Well, what attracted is really everything I've said. Um, uh, Vision Blues aim is to be involved in battery metals. Um, so Mick has been on other podcasts explaining his company's uh, basis, but, but really he's identified that the world has to move to renewable energy um, and battery storage is important to, to the world meeting its uh, avoiding catastrophic global warming. So he sees that the batteries in, 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 in their what, widest form, both car batteries and uh, fixed stationary bulk storage batteries like the vanadium ones, um, as all growth stories. So he wanted to invest in, 
in things like that, then I think he's gone through, he has to speak for himself, of course, but uh, but uh, he's gone through the preeminent projects which are likely to uh, supply into those, uh, supply those battery materials and identified us as one of the the, the best that he, he looked at. Um, so um, that's what attracted him in, undoubtedly. Uh, he also, we, we for, for reasons of history and COVID and all the rest of it, we were going through a rather torrid time. Financially, our share price really was far too low, I mean, on any objective basis, although all chief executives say that. Um, so he, he, he came in, invested at a good time for his company. Uh, the share price immediately went up three, three and a half times. And um, and and so Vision Blue is doing very well well out of it, and I I, I strongly believe there's a lot more to come. Um, and uh, we have that instant credibility that I've talked about. It means we're on the map. Everyone takes us seriously. The phone never stops ringing with ideas. And um, and as I say, we can focus on building the project, not raising the money. Yeah, and obviously uh, we mentioned Parrot joined uh, joined the board. What can he add? What value can he add? Obviously, you mentioned he's got a strong background for Nadium. What 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 can you see him? What value can well, you he, see him? He, he is a non-executive director. He's, he's not going to be involved in day-to-day -day management. But um, really, now we we have a, a a board of directors that has the experience of the Vanadium industry. Um, Piet has has been in, in, in ferroalloys uh, and vanadium production for very many years. And, uh, and, and so we now have a board which has the technical experience um, to, to, to govern the country, to country, company. Uh, yeah. Um, and um, uh, he, he will be a sounding board. We, we invite him to our technical meetings um, and uh, and so he's, he's another resource of contacts, knowledge, experience uh, that, that we'll be able to draw from. Yeah. Um, and as a conclusion, what, um, what is the sort of um, the short and medium term outlook for the company? Now, obviously, um, investment has been uh, secured. Well, the, 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 the big game is, of course, the feasibility study, because we've got we're telling the world we've got a competent persons report that, that tells the world uh, that we have this net present value of $2 billion. Um, but what really proves it to, to the investment community is the feasibility study. Um, so um, as, we, as we move towards that, it's not all or nothing. There'll be announcements along the way. Well, there'll be drilling results. There'll be other things to announce. But, but it, that will come out um, in the first half of next year. And um, and that's when we'll expect really the, the share price to motor. Um, feasibility studies. There are different rules of thumb, but uh, uh, but but you know, typically once you've announced your feasibility study, your your market capitalization moves to say half of the uh, the net present value of your feasibility study, sometimes more. Um, so that will be a huge step up in value to the company. All going well. Um, the, on the small operation, of course, that's where all the news flow is, even though it's the tail wagging the dog, as I said at the beginning. Um, we, we've got, uh, we'll have production 
increases. We'll have the the start of these other products, which are more value added. So we're going down the value chain, uh, making ferromolybdenum, ferrovanadium, uh, vanadium pentoxide powder, um, and um, and when the electric arc furnace comes in, that'll be a big step up in production. So all those things will be news over the next 12, 12 months, um, next six months mostly. Um, but the big news is the feasibility study and the, and the big project. Yeah, certainly. Um, Nick, really appreciate your time. It certainly um, is an interesting um, project that you've got there. A lot of uh, work ahead of you, um, and no doubt that you'll be able to push that uh, project forward in the feasibility. Um, so really look forward to seeing how that journey goes. Um, if our audience wants to reach out to you, if they've got any questions, how can they go about doing that? Are you on any social media platforms at all? We are, but the, the, the best way is to contact us directly on the, on the website, uh, on the, um, the email address that's on the website, info at ferrolo.com. Um, that gets our immediate attention. We are on other social media sites, but, uh, but they're, they're less direct. Yeah, I understand. And I'll put all those links in the um, show notes of Companies podcast. So um, if anyone wants uh, um, to ask Nick any questions, then um, just look at the show notes and you'll be able to uh, get your questions answered. Um, like I said, really appreciate your time, Nick, um, giving our audience an overview of, uh, of Vanadium and obviously um, Fair Ally as well. Um, appreciate the audience who are listening. Um, hope you enjoyed and definitely learned some uh, learned some things in this episode. Again, appreciate if you can share and like this episode uh, amongst friends, family, other people in the industry around the world, um, so we can educate more people within the mining industry um, around obviously, especially the important metal like vanadium. So. Um, appreciate your support those that are watching on the YouTube channel appreciate if you can like and share below um, so more people can have access to this uh, episode Um, so thank you for listening and until next time happy mining thank you for listening remember to reach out to Rob via the show notes and be sure to subscribe and leave a review until next time happy mining helping each other to improve the mining industry 